Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Today's guest is Jim Lee. Jim is the Principal Consultant of LCG Partners an operations excellence consultancy specializing in the integration of knowledge management strategies and techniques with quality, project, and process improvement methodologies. With this focus, organizations can learn how to conduct and maintain their own capabilities long after engagements are completed. Recently, he was the Senior Vice President and Knowledge Management Director at Fulton Financial Corporation a holding company of a $20 billion bank system with more than 240 branch locations. At Fulton, Jim was responsible for the development and the organization's knowledge management strategy and implementation. Jim, tell me about what it is about KM that gets you up in the morning. It's the excitement, Edwin, of sharing knowledge. And I don't mean sort of in the KM-ish way that KM professionals talk about but it's the idea that expertise, experiential expertise in particular, can be conveyed to other people in, in many cases so that they themselves can be more effective at whatever their role is or whatever they're trying to do. Uh, I am really excited about the fact that when I can see that happen in other people as they learn and then later become teachers themselves, uh, transferring their expertise. Uh, that's really what jazzes me in the morning. So it sounds like a pretty easy thing. It would be if people understood the power of it, if they understood that um, giving up what you know supposedly doesn't really diminish you in any way. Uh, it would be much easier, of course, if people weren't so busy. Uh, but it also means, too, that on the other end, the receiving end, people have to be willing to learn from others and and not simply say, well, I always have the best idea or that person's experience doesn't match my needs. Uh, you never really know where you might find that nugget or several, if you will, that will help you even take it in a different direction, right? Maybe what expertise or knowledge was offered isn't exactly spot on to what you were thinking of, but it might spur a different idea, which in itself is great because then it means innovation. So where, where does the hinge point for an organization begin trying to get to this fidelity you were just speaking of? In my humble opinion, the problem is one of leadership sponsorship, true sponsorship. We already know that people inside of an organization, any organization, already share their knowledge and expertise. When you have a colleague that comes to you and asks if you have an Excel spreadsheet that maybe they can use to do a similar function to what they have, and you're familiar with them, you're comfortable with them, you're going to do that no questions asked in many cases. But what happens then is, as we try to expand that throughout the rest of the organization, they don't perhaps know you as well, or they don't trust the content as well. And so without strong leadership that really believes in it, then it becomes something that can only go so far. I think one of the things I learned about that was, and we've probably all heard about the uh, six degrees to Kevin Bacon, uh, the notion of weak ties being effective. But in mm. fact, we know that weak ties are not effective uh, as much as we'd like them to be. It, it's great to have, you know, 500 plus connections on LinkedIn. 
but you really won't reach the 3 million others that you're connected to via them uh, through those links necessarily. Then where does this um, so, cohesion come from? Where does this social cohesion even come from? I see it. I can see in a small org where you've got 10 people, not a tough sell, not, not a, well, maybe, uh, but personality driven for sure. And I see where the leadership has to be there to pull that wagon forward. How do you set up social structures? Because if we get to the trust issue, if the trust is the glue in the, in the conduit that allows for knowledge flow, how do you build trust? Well, again, this is a change management problem, which I have focused on because KM, in my humble opinion, is but one tool in the improvement of organizations, whether we're talking about process improvement, quality, cost reduction, innovation. It, it's all about changing the way people work together, the nature of how they work together, the tools that they use to work together of which we know knowledge is, is one of the more powerful ones, given our track record in it. But how it happens is really got to be, from a leadership perspective, the what's in it for me for them, right? So if they're going to really buy into this, if they're really going to support it, then we have to talk in terms of measures that are important to them. One of the things I've tried to do most recently is to talk to the younger people in the organization, knowing that someday they'll be the future leaders of the organization. And therefore, if they're inculcated into this notion of more public sharing, then when they become the leaders, mm -hmm. it'll just be the way work needs to get done. Sure. And therefore, their own subordinates will fall in line because they'll already model the behavior they're looking for. Well, that mentorship and the modeling is definitely a key issue for most organizations because they don't know what right looks like to begin with in a standardized way, right? So you'll always have the individual that is either good at sharing or not good at sharing. So how does HR come into play by how do you hire right for that position of that kind of knowledge worker you really need to have? Well, I think... Uh, from my experience, um, fortunately, HR has become more of a consulting organization than it is simply filling out forms and adhering to labor regulations and so on. So that's, that's a good news step in the right direction. So what we have to do with HR is to make sure that they understand that the competitive advantage that we have as an organization, any organization, is really in the expertise of our people and not necessarily in our processes and procedures, right? We know in knowledge management that every organization has processes and procedures. It's the way they see work getting done, but any organization can develop those. It's what's in people's heads about whether they were born and bred in the organization uh, and have been there 25 years, or if they bring 10 years of experience somewhere else. That really gives us the advantage. And I think that's what we have to do when we talk to HR folks as CAM professionals we want people who are, have known to share, who have a, a sort of servant leadership mentality, who have a coaching, mentoring mentality, so that when they come in, sometimes, again, they're the learner. Other times, they're going to be the teacher. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's fluid. It changes with every specific interaction. But mm -hmm. I think that kind of demeanor is the kind of professional we're looking for. So how does an organization get started down that path? Say, say you've got an organization that has not, uh, maybe they've got the resources and they've got the leadership that can pull the wagon. What would be the first thing you would try to address in an organization that has not done KM before? 
Well, I think I would, again, go back to a roadmap, right? It's pretty standard fare for those who have done this before. Mm. But I've discovered in some cases people don't really see the vision that you're trying to lead them to. Mm. And I would take that in, in both uh, uh, continuums, uh, extremes of the continuum. Uh, you've got perhaps a truly visionary leader, but he doesn't convey enough or she doesn't convey enough to the rest of the people to understand why they should come along. Mm. Um, that's one problem. Um, so having a roadmap obviously lays out, here's the path we're on. The other end of the continuum is there's no roadmap, of course. And, and then people are, you know, at, at free will to do whatever they think is the right thing, even though it may not be in some cases. Mm-hmm. What, what would be your best case scenario uh, in your history of organizations? Where did you see it excel and why? Well, I hate to keep coming back on the leadership because I do know that there are other factors involved, right? But um, having personal experience about uh, being a consultant, and going into organizations where the leadership has talked about wanting to implement KM, mm-hmm. but then later finding out that they've abdicated that responsibility and visibility to others is what really keeps them from being uh, ultimately effective. So, for example, if a company has uh, an intranet, and let's say they actually even really like it, well, if the leaders aren't seen on it, then the people underneath them are going to know. Well, it's not important to our leadership, mm. so why should it be mm-hmm. important to me? Right. So the mere things of showing lead by example, like the Bob Buckmans of the world originally, right? Yeah. One of the real yeah. pioneers of KM, he lived it. He breathed it. His yeah. people knew that, yeah. and so it became important to them as well. I got it. Okay, well, that makes great sense, and I like what you're saying. We're running uh, close to time, so for our lightning round, I'm going to ask you one question. What's knowledge management? What is it? What is well, it? in my humble opinion, it's really about the mechanisms of conveying expertise from one person to another. Now, I, I feel badly that I can't give full attribution to where I heard it. I'm going to say it might have been Dave Snowden. It might have been Tom Davenport. It might have been one of the other really greats in the knowledge management world. But I heard it as we know more than we say. And we say more than we write. So if we work that backwards, we realize then that good KM isn't merely jotting down artifacts and putting them in a repository, nor is it even just simply saying it uh, because, again, in our brains, we actually know more than we can even convey verbally. So KM as a discipline, as a, a way of working, is really the total portfolio of how do we create an environment where people are willing to write things down in some cases, mm-hmm. or in some cases are willing to convey what they know when they're asked, or in other cases are more than happy to convey things that they weren't even asked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that, for example, at Aerospace Corporation, the leadership there does these sort of fireside chats mm. where the leaders just come and talk about a topic that's important to them and may convey the history of the organization. But what it really means is it ties them more closely to their employees because they were fully willing to, uh, you know, spread that expertise of theirs without having been asked to do so. I think those are all powerful tools that all organizations should think about using in terms of making KM what KM can be. 
I, I, the, the contextual relationship, right? So as I hear you say that the fireside chat gives more contextuality, some more texture for the tr uh, trust and connection between the social network to be able to be strengthened and more able to use, right? So uh, yeah, that, that makes beautiful sense. There's no question. And of course, we know that storytelling is one of the more powerful ways of conveying that expertise. If you think about even those cultures and civilizations where maybe it really has been through a sort of verbal handing down of what that organization or culture is, mm -hmm. even without it being written down, those things are really powerful. People carry it. They, they can see themselves in it. And my belief is that those who are willing to do it, whether they're the top leaders of the organization or maybe even just a manager uh, right above that person, they have a willingness to be exposed, meaning that they may even talk about their failures. And, and if that's the case, that really engenders them to the person they're communicating information to because it tells the recipient, hey, this person was open and transparent with me that they failed at something and they don't want me to fail. And, and, of course, we know that you learn more from failure than you do from success. So I think that's a, a powerful way of conveying what knowledge management really is. Well, thank you for your expertise and your voice at this table. <laughs> well, thank you for the invitation, Edwin. I'm glad that uh, we can continue to share our expertise in knowledge management because we know what a powerful tool it is to uh, improve the lives and capabilities of any organization that people are involved in. So uh, I, I hope that your audience really takes all your uh, guests to, to heart and, and puts it together in a way that makes sense for them. Perfect. Thank you, Jim. You have a great day. Thanks, Edmund. You do the same. Take care now. Recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution, Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook. <laughs>